discover the possibilities of internal medicine. This is the NYACP Physician Spotlight Podcast. I'm Hudson Lee, and I'm a second-year medical student at Weill Cornell. And today we have Dr. Aaron Glatt with us from Mount Sinai South Nassau. He's the chair of the Department of Medicine, the chief of infectious diseases, and a hospital epidemiologist. And today we'll be talking with him regarding various topics related to COVID-19. Thank you so much again, Dr. Glatt, for joining us. My pleasure to be here. My pleasure to be a small part of educating you for the future. And now, especially as the new school year begins, there are concerns about how the SARS-CoV-2 virus might spread to, among, and from children as they return to in-person schooling. So with that, is it possible to see spread from unvaccinated kids under 12, or for that matter, unvaccinated adults, to vaccinated people, after which those vaccinated individuals are able to pass along the virus or get sick themselves? Okay, so that was like 20 questions. So I'll try to address them. If I didn't address every one of them, you'll, you'll let me know. So earlier on in the pandemic, we were not sure what role children, older children, younger children, younger adults played in the spread of COVID-19. I think there are, are, are now a lot of data to show that the older children bring the virus home and the younger children spread it very well within the family. So I think it's no longer in doubt that children, toddlers, as well as you know, younger adolescent children can in fact spread COVID-19. So that's fact number one. Fact number two, both vaccinated and unvaccinated patients can in fact transmit COVID-19. The likelihood of that is obviously much greater in an unvaccinated person. But a vaccinated person who has COVID-19 infection, they have one of those breakthrough infections, they either never mounted immune response or it's waiting or Delta overwhelmed them. You have to remember that a lot of the concern with the, the waning immunity is because we're dealing with different viruses also. The previous variants maybe didn't have as high a viral load or as contagious as Delta. So maybe it's not so much that the vaccine's not working. Maybe if we had Delta, the vaccine would have worked just as well then as it does now. So there are a lot of unknowns still about that. But certainly somebody who's been vaccinated, who does in fact get COVID, so their cycle thresholds, which is a poor man's marker and not a perfect marker of contagiousness are roughly the same. So an unvaccinated person who gets COVID has roughly the same cycle thresholds as a vaccinated person who gets COVID. Again, I got to stress, they're much less likely to have gotten COVID if they're vaccinated. So please don't misunderstand that. That's a critical fact. Oh, everybody gets it. It doesn't make a difference. No, of course it makes a difference. You're much less likely to get it if you're vaccinated. But if you do get it, you probably can transmit, unfortunately, the Delta variant pretty well. So having said that, there certainly is the potential in schools, in preschools, in grade schools, middle schools, high schools, colleges, medical schools, any schools to transmit COVID. And that is the million dollar question. How is the best way to prevent it? So if you're older than 12 years old, I know a very good answer to that question. Get vaccinated. That's a really easy one. My granddaughters who are above the age of 12, both of them are vaccinated. As soon as the others hit 12, grandpa's gonna go take them to get vaccinated. One of them got it on their 12th birthday as a birthday present. I think that's a great way to teach children responsibility, both for their own health care as well as for the public around them. 
Unfortunately, we don't have data on how the vaccine will roll out, if it will roll out, in children under 12. So at the present time, other than in the study setting, we can't give a vaccine to children under 12. The CDC strongly came out with a statement, don't use, quote, off-label usage of this vaccine in children under 12. And I strongly endorse that. I was actually asked that question yesterday. And I strongly recommend not to use the adult doses of any of the COVID vaccines on a child under 12 at this point in time. If you want to enroll in a study, I think that's always great. Get informed consent, understand what you're doing. They're probably using much lower doses in the children's studies that are underway. There are studies underway between five and 12 years old. There are studies underway in children under five years old. But at the present time, that remains an experimental setting not to be used for the adult vaccines. So having said that, 12 and up, please get vaccinated. If somebody chooses, unfortunately, not to get vaccinated, so then universal masking or certainly masking when you're indoors amongst other people is a reasonable option, which is what many states are now recommending, departments of health and the CDC. It's not the only answer, but it certainly is a very reasonable way to try and provide the best public health environment or I think it becomes much, much more difficult. Let's use the most easy example of that. In a preschool with toddlers, two-year-olds can wear masks. No, they can't. Yes, they can wear it for a little bit of time. And yes, you can keep it on parts of their body for a period of time. But before you know it, the two-year-old has his mask in somebody else's mouth. And the mask is worn over the ears or the mask is worn over the eyes. So two-year-olds, while technically they can wear a mask and under short periods of time under close supervision, so grandpa, grandma who are highly at risk, who are vaccinated, but unfortunately immunocompromised, want to see the grandchildren. So maybe the two-year-old should try to wear a mask while they're around grandpa and grandpa for that little period of time. But at the same time, to try to suggest that in preschools you're going to be successful in any way with children masking that way, I think is a waste of time. Where it gets a little bit more possible is in the older, younger children. So the second graders, the fourth graders. So that's each school district, I think, has to figure out with their medical advisors the incidence of COVID in their area, and it may change over time with all of their faculty, all of the people in the school being vaccinated. So then the risks, I think, are, are much less both to the children and to the adults and to consider whether we want to try to institute a uh, some sort of a mask policy under certain conditions, all conditions, or say no, uh, if, if you're all in agreement that that's what the parent body wants and the incidence in the area is low enough, there could be other options besides mask mandates. That's a very controversial area. It's an area where we don't really have a tremendous amount of data to show what happens in terms of people really getting sick from that as opposed to, yeah, some of the children will get sick. So I, I will have to punt on that at this point in time as an official recommendation, but would make specific recommendations based upon the incidence of COVID in that area and whether the staff are mandated to be vaccinated or not, and whether it's a, a preschool, middle school, or all together with uh, all different ages. So that might be different answers in assemblies versus classrooms, maybe when you're traveling together. Uh, outside the classroom, it's a different story than when you're set in your seats that are distanced inside a large, well-ventilated classroom. There are so many variables, it's hard to give you a definitive single answer. You spoke a little earlier about uh, trials for the vaccines for younger children. Do you 
have an idea of any updates regarding those trials or a potential timing for their completion and maybe even for guidance for their vaccination? So some of the preliminary data suggests that the kids do mount an effective vaccine response. In fact, some of the studies show 100% of them mounted a laboratory response. That doesn't translate to a clinical response yet, and it doesn't translate to we should be doing it on every kid. So originally, the, sus the suspected date this data would be released was going to be September or October. I think that's probably a little too optimistic. And we're still hopeful that we'll have some of the five to 11 year old data published and released before the end of 2021. I can't guarantee that. I, I certainly won't control that. And it depends on many, many variables. So more to come.